section twenty four of shirley by charlotte bronte this librivox recording is in the public domain the valley of the shadow of death the future sometimes seems to sob a low warning of the events it is bringing us like some gathering though yet remote storm which in tones of the wind in fleshings of the firmament in clouds strangely torn announces a blast strong to strew the sea with wrecks or commissioned to bring in fog the yellow taint of pestilence covering white western isles with the poisoned exhalations of the east dimming the lattices of english homes with the breath of indian plague at other times this future burst suddenly as if a rock had rent and in it a grave had opened whence issues the body of one that slept ere you are aware you stand face to face with a shrouded and unthought of calamity a new lazarus caroline hellstone went home from hollow's cottage in good health as she imagined on waking the next morning she felt oppressed with unwonted languor at breakfast at each meal of the following day she missed all sense of appetite palatable food was as ashes and sawdust to her am i ill she asked and looked at herself in the glass her eyes were bright their pupils dilated her cheeks seemed rosier and fuller than usual i look well why can i not eat she felt the pulse beat fast in her temples she felt too her brain in strange activity her spirits were raised hundreds of busy and broken but brilliant thoughts engaged her mind a glow rested on them such as tinged her complexion now followed a hot parched thirsty restless night towards morning one terrible dream seized her like a tiger when she woke she felt and knew she was ill how she had caught the fever fever it was she could not tell probably in her late walk home some sweet poisoned breeze redolent of honeydew and miasma had passed into her lungs and veins and finding there already a fever of mental excitement and a languor of long conflict and habitual sadness had fanned the spark to flame and left a well-lit fire behind it it seemed however but a gentle fire after two hot days and worried nights there was no violence in the symptoms and neither her uncle nor fanny nor the doctor nor miss kildar when she called had any fear for her a few days would restore her every one believed the few days passed and though it was still thought it could not long delay the revival had not begun mrs pryor who had visited her daily being present in her chamber one morning when she had been ill a fortnight watched her very narrowly for some minutes she took her hand and placed her finger on her wrist then quietly leaving the chamber she went to mr hellstone's study with him she remained closeted a long time half the morning on returning to her sick young friend she laid aside shawl and bonnet she stood a while at the bedside one hand placed in the other gently rocking herself to and fro in an attitude and with a movement habitual to her at last she said i have sent fanny to fieldhead to fetch a few things for me such as i shall want during your short stay here it is my wish to remain with you till you are better your uncle kindly permits my attendance will it to yourself be acceptable caroline i am sorry you should take such needless trouble 
i do not feel very ill but i cannot refuse resolutely it would be such comfort to know you are in the house to see you sometimes in the room but don't confine yourself on my account dear mrs pryor fanny nurses me very well mrs pryor bending over the pale little sufferer was now smoothing the hair under her cap and gently raising her pillow as she performed these offices caroline smiling lifted her face to kiss her are you free from pain are you tolerably at ease was inquired in a low earnest voice as the self-elected nurse yielded to the caress i think i'm almost happy you wish to drink your lips are parched she held a glass filled with some cooling beverage to her mouth have you eaten anything to-day caroline i cannot eat but soon your appetite will return it must return that is i pray god it may in laying her again on the couch she encircled her in her arms and while so doing by a movement which seemed scarcely voluntary she drew her to her heart and held her close gathered an instant i shall hardly wish to get well but i may keep you always said caroline mrs pryor did not smile at this speech over her features ran a tremor which for some minutes she was absorbed in repressing you are more used to fanny than to me she remarked ere long i should think my attendance must seem strange officious no quite natural and very soothing you must have been accustomed to wait on sick people ma'am you move about the room so softly and you speak so quietly and touch me so gently i am dexterous in nothing my dear you will often find me awkward but never negligent negligent indeed she was not from that hour fanny and eliza became ciphers in the sick-room mrs pryor made it her domain she performed all its duties she lived in it day and night the patient remonstrated faintly however from the first and not at all ere long loneliness and gloom were now banished from her bedside protection and solace sat there instead she and her nurse coalesced in wondrous union caroline was usually pained to require or receive much attendance mrs pryor under ordinary circumstances had neither the habit nor the art of performing little offices of service but all now passed with such ease so naturally that the patient was as willing to be cherished as the nurse was bent on cherishing no sign of weariness in the latter ever reminded the former that she ought to be anxious there was in fact no very hard duty to perform but a hireling might have found it hard with all this care it seemed strange the sick girl did not get well yet such was the case she wasted like any snow-wreath in thaw she faded like any flower in drought miss keeldar on whose thoughts danger or death seldom intruded had at first entertained no fears at all for her friend but seeing her change and sink from time to time when she paid her visits alarm clutched her heart she went to mr hellstone and expressed herself with so much energy that that gentleman was at last obliged however unwillingly to admit the idea that his niece was ill of something more than a migraine and when mrs pryor came and quietly demanded a physician he said she might send for two if she liked one came but that one was an oracle he delivered a dark saying of which the future was to solve the mystery wrote some prescriptions gave some directions the whole with an air of crushing authority pocketed his fee and went probably he knew well enough he could do no good but didn't like to say so still no rumour of serious illness got wind in the neighbourhood at hollow's cottage it was thought that caroline had only a severe cold she having written a note to hortense to that effect 
and mademoiselle contented herself with sending two pots of currant jam a recipe for tisane and a note of advice mrs york being told that a physician had been summoned sneered at the hypochondriac fancies of the rich and idle who she said having nothing but themselves to think about must needs send for a doctor if only so much as their little finger ached the rich and idle represented him in the person of caroline were meantime falling fast into a condition of prostration whose quickly consummated debility puzzled all who witnessed it except one for that one alone reflected how liable is the undermined structure to sink in sudden ruin sick people often have fancies inscrutable to ordinary attendants and caroline had one which even her tender nurse could not at first explain on a certain day in the week at a certain hour she would whether worse or better entreat to be taken up and dressed and suffered to sit in a chair near the window this station she would retain till noon was past whatever degree of exhaustion or debility her wan aspect betrayed she still softly put off all persuasion to seek repose until the church clock had duly told midday the twelve strokes sounded she grew docile and would meekly lie down returned to the couch she usually buried her face deep in the pillow and drew the coverlets close round her as if to shut out the world and sun of which she was tired more than once as she thus lay a slight convulsion shook the sick-bed and a faint sob broke the silence round it these things were not unnoted by mrs pryor one tuesday morning as usual she had asked leave to rise and now she sat wrapped in her white dressing-gown leaning forward in the easy-chair gazing steadily and patiently from the lattice mrs pryor was seated a little behind knitting as it seemed but in truth watching her a change crossed her pale mournful brow animating its languor a light shot into her faded eyes reviving their lustre she half rose and looked earnestly out mrs pryor drawing softly near glanced over her shoulder from this window was visible the churchyard beyond it the road and there riding sharply by appeared a horseman the figure was not yet too remote for recognition mrs pryor had long sight she knew mr moore just as an intercepting rising ground concealed him from view the clock struck twelve may i lie down again asked caroline her nurse assisted her to bed having laid her down and drawn the curtain she stood listening near the little couch trembled the suppressed sob stirred the air a contraction as of anguish altered mrs pryor's features she wrung her hands half a groan escaped her lips she now remembered that tuesday was winbury market day mr moore must always pass the rectory on his way thither just ere noon of that day caroline wore continually round her neck a slender braid of silk attached to which was some trinket mrs pryor had seen the bit of gold glisten but had not yet obtained a fair view of it her patient never parted with it when dressed it was hidden in her bosom as she lay in bed she always held it in her hand that tuesday afternoon the transient doze more like lethargy than sleep which sometimes abridged the long days had stolen over her the weather was hot while turning in fadwell restlessness she had pushed the coverlets a little aside mrs pryor bent to replace them the small wasted hand lying nerveless on the sick girl's breast clasped as usual her jealously guarded treasure those fingers whose attenuation it gave pain to see were now relaxed in sleep mrs pryor gently disengaged the braid drawing out a tiny locket 
a slight thing it was such as it suited her small purse to purchase under its crystal face appeared a curl of black hair too short and crisp to have been severed from a female head some agitated movement occasioned a twitch of the silken chain the sleeper started and woke her thoughts were usually now somewhat scattered on waking her look generally wandering half rising as if in a terror she exclaimed don't take it from me robert don't it is my last comfort but let me keep it i never tell any one whose hair it is i never show it mrs pryor had already disappeared behind the curtain reclining far back in a deep armchair by the bedside she was withdrawn from view caroline looked abroad into the chamber she thought it empty as her stray ideas returned slowly each folding its weak wings on the mind's sad shore like birds exhausted beholding void and perceiving silence round her she believed herself alone collected she was not yet perhaps healthy self-possession and self-control were to be hers no more perhaps that world the strong and prosperous live in had already rolled from beneath her feet for ever so at least it often seemed to herself in hell she had never been accustomed to think aloud but now words escaped her lips unawares oh i should see him once more before all is over heaven might favour me thus far she cried god grant me a little comfort before i die was her humble petition but he will not know i am ill till i am gone and he will come when they have laid me out and i am senseless cold and stiff what can my departed soul feel then can it see or know what happens to the clay can spirits through any medium communicate with living flesh can the dead at all revisit those they leave can they come in the elements will wind water fire lend me a path to more is it for nothing the wind sounds almost articulately sometimes sings as i have lately heard it sing at night or passes the casement sobbing as if for sorrow to come does nothing then haunt it nothing inspire it why it suggested to me words one night it poured a strain which i could have written down only i was appalled and dare not rise to seek pencil and paper by the dim watch light what is that electricity they speak of whose changes make us well or ill whose lack or excess blasts whose even balance revives what are all those influences that are about us in the atmosphere that keep playing over our nerves like fingers on stringed instruments and call forth now a sweet note and now a wail now an exultant swell and anon the saddest cadence where is the other world in what will another life consist why do i ask have i not cause to think that the hour is hasting but too fast and the veil must be rent for me do i not know the grand mystery is likely to burst prematurely on me great spirit in whose goodness i confide whom as my father i have petitioned night and morning from early infancy help the weak creation of thy hands sustain me through the ordeal i dread and must undergo give me strength give me patience give me oh give me faith she fell back on her pillow mrs pryor found means to steal quietly from the room she re-entered it soon after apparently as composed as if she had really not overheard this strange soliloquy the next day several callers came it had become known that miss hellstone was worse mr hall and his sister margaret arrived both after they had been in the sick-room quitted it in tears they had found the patient more altered than they expected hortense moore came caroline seemed stimulated by her presence she assured her smiling she was not dangerously ill she talked to her in a low voice but cheerfully 
during her stay excitement kept up the flush of her complexion she looked better how is mr robert asked mrs Cryer as hortense was preparing to take leave he was very well when he left left is he gone from home it was then explained that some police intelligence about the rioters of whom he was in pursuit had that morning called him away to birmingham and probably a fortnight might elapse ere he returned he was not aware that miss hellstone is very ill oh no he thought like me that she had only a bad cold after this visit mrs Cryer took care not to approach caroline's couch for above an hour she heard her weep and dared not look on her tears as evening closed in she brought her some tea caroline opening her eyes from a moment's slumber viewed her nurse with an unrecognizing glance i smelt the honeysuckles in the glen this summer morning she said as i stood at the counting-house window strange words like these from pallid lips pierce a loving listener's heart more poignantly than steel they sound romantic perhaps in books in real life they are harrowing my darling do you know me said mrs Pryor. i went in to call robert to breakfast i've been with him in the garden he asked me to go a heavy dew has refreshed the flowers the peaches are ripening my darling my darling again and again repeated the nurse i thought it was daylight long after sunrise it looks dark is the moon now set that moon lately risen was gazing full and mild upon her floating in deep blue space it watched her unclouded then it is not morning i am not at the cottage who is this i see a shape at my bedside it is myself it is your friend your nurse your lean your head on my shoulder collect yourself in a lower tone oh god take pity give her life and me strength send me courage teach me words some minutes passed in silence the patient lay mute and passive in the trembling arms on the throbbing bosom of the nurse i'm better now whispered caroline at last much better i feel where i am this is mrs Pryor near me i was dreaming i talk when i wake up from dreams people often do in illness how fast your heart beats ma'am do not be afraid it is not fear child only a little anxiety which will pass i have brought you some tea carry your uncle made it himself you know he says he can make a better cup of tea than any housewife can taste it he is concerned to hear that you eat so little he would be glad if you had a better appetite i am thirsty let me drink she drank eagerly what o'clock is it ma'am she asked past nine not later oh i have yet a long night before me but the tea has made me strong i will sit up mrs Pryor raised her and arranged her pillows thank heaven i am not always equally miserable and ill and hopeless the afternoon has been bad since hortense went perhaps the evening may be better it is a fine night i think the moon shines clear very fine a perfect summer night the old church tower gleams white almost as silver and does the churchyard look peaceful yes and the garden also dew glistens on the foliage can you see many long weeds and nettles amongst the graves or do they look turfy and flowery i see closed daisy heads gleaming like pearls on some mounds thomas has mown down the dock leaves and rank grass and cleared all away always like that to be done it soothes one's mind to see the place in order and i dare say within the church just now that moonlight shines as softly as in my room it will fall through the east window full on the hellstone monument when i close my eyes i seem to see poor papa's epitaph in black letters on the white marble there is plenty of room for other inscriptions underneath 
william farron came to look after your flowers this morning he was afraid now you cannot tend them yourself they would be neglected he has taken two of your favourite plants home to nurse for you if i were to make a will i would leave william all my plants surely my trinkets except one which must not be taken off my neck and you ma'am my books after a pause mrs pryor i feel a longing wish for something for what caroline you know i always delight to hear you sing sing me a hymn just now sing that hymn which begins our god our help in ages past our hope for years to come our shelter from the stormy blast our refuge haven home mrs pryor at once complied no wonder caroline liked to hear her sing her voice even in speaking was sweet and silver clear in song it was almost divine neither flute nor dulcimer has tones so pure but the tone was secondary compared to the expression which trembled through a tender vibration from a feeling heart the servants in the kitchen hearing the strain stole to the stairfoot to listen even old hellstone as he walked in the garden pondering over the unaccountable and feeble nature of women stood still amongst his borders to catch the mournful melody more distinctly why it reminded him of his forgotten dead wife he could not tell nor why it made him more concerned than he had hitherto been for caroline's fading girlhood he was glad to recollect that he had promised to pay win the magistrate a visit that evening low spirits and gloomy thoughts were very much his aversion when they attacked him he usually found means to make them march in double quick time the hymn followed him faintly as he crossed the fields he hastened his customary sharp pace that he might get beyond its reach thy word commands our flesh to dust return ye sons of men all nations rose from earth at first and turned to earth again a thousand ages in thy sight are like an evening gone short as the watch that ends the night before the rising sun time like an ever-rolling stream bears all its sons away they fly forgotten as a dream dies at the opening day like flowery fields the nations stand fresh in the morning light the flowers beneath the mower's hand lie withering ere tis night our god our help in ages past our hope for years to come be thou our guard while troubles last o father be our home now sing a song a scottish song suggested caroline when the hymn was over ye banks embrace the bonny dean again mrs pryor obeyed or essayed to obey at the close of the first stanza she stopped she could get no further her full heart flowed over you are weeping at the pathos of the air come here and i will comfort you said caroline in a pitying accent mrs pryor came she sat down on the edge of her patient's bed and allowed the wasted arms to encircle her you often soothe me let me soothe you murmured the young girl kissing her cheek i hope she added it is not for me you weep no answer followed do you think i shall not get better i do not feel very ill only weak but your mind caroline your mind is crushed your heart is almost broken you have been so neglected so repulsed left so desolate i believe grief is and always has been my worst ailment i sometimes think if an abundant gush of happiness came on me i could revive yet do you wish to live i have no object in life you love me caroline very much very truly inexpressibly sometimes just now i feel as if i could almost grow to your heart i will return directly dear remarked mrs pryor as she laid caroline down quitting her she glided to the door softly turned the key in the lock ascertained that it was fast and came back she bent over her she threw back the curtain to admit the moonlight more freely she gazed intently on her face 
then if you love me said she speaking quickly with an altered voice if you feel as if to use your own words you could grow to my heart it will be neither shock nor pain for you to know that that heart is the source whence yours was filled that from my veins issued the tide which flows in yours that you are mine my daughter my own child mrs pryor my own child that is that means you have adopted me it means that if i have given you nothing else i at least gave you life that i bore you nursed you that i am your true mother no other woman can claim the title it is mine but mrs james hellstone but my father's wife whom i do not remember ever to have seen she is my mother she is your mother james hellstone was my husband i say you are mine i have proved it i thought perhaps you were all his which would have been a cruel dispensation for me i find it not so god permitted me to be the parent of my child's mind it belongs to me it is my property my right these features are james's own he had a fine face when he was young and not altered by error papa my darling gave you your blue eyes and soft brown hair he gave you the oval of your face and the regularity of your lineaments the outside he conferred but the heart and the brain are mine the germs are from me and they are improved they are developed to excellence i esteem and approve my child as highly as i do most fondly love her is what i hear true is it no dream i wish it were as true that the substance and colour of health were restored to your cheek my own mother is she one i can be so fond of as i can of you people generally did not like her so i have been given to understand they told you that well your mother now tells you that not having the gift to please people generally for their approbation she does not care her thoughts are centred in her child does that child welcome or reject her but if you are my mother the world is all changed to me surely i can live i should like to recover you must recover you drew life and strength from my breast when you were a tiny fair infant over whose blue eyes i used to weep fearing i beheld in your very beauty the sign of qualities that entered my heart like iron and pierced through my soul like a sword daughter we have been long parted i return now to cherish you again she held her to her bosom she cradled her in her arms she rocked her softly as if lulling a young child to sleep my mother my own mother the offspring nestled to the parent that parent feeling the endearment and hearing the appeal gathered her closer still she covered her with noiseless kisses she murmured love over her like a cushet fostering its young there was silence in the room for a long while does my uncle know your uncle knows i told him when i first came to stay with you here did you recognize me when we first met at fieldhead how could it be otherwise mr and miss hellstone being announced i was prepared to see my child it was that then which moved you i saw you disturbed you saw nothing caroline i can cover my feelings you can never tell what an age of strange sensation i lived during the two minutes that elapsed between the report of your name and your entrance you can never tell how your look mean carriage shook me why were you disappointed what will she be like i had asked myself and when i saw what you were like i could have dropped mamma why i trembled in your presence i said i will never own her she shall never know me but i said and did nothing remarkable 
i felt a little diffident at the thought of an introduction to strangers that was all i soon saw you were diffident that was the first thing which reassured me had you been rustic clownish awkward i should have been content you puzzle me i had reason to dread a fair outside to mistrust a popular bearing to shudder before distinction grace and courtesy beauty and affability had come in my way when i was recluse desolate young and ignorant a terror-worn governess perishing of uncheered labour breaking down before her time these caroline when they smiled on me i mistook for angels i followed them home and when into their hands i had given without reserve my whole chance of future happiness it was my lot to witness a transfiguration on the domestic hearth to see the white mask lifted the bright disguise put away and opposite me sat down oh god i have suffered she sank on the pillow i have suffered none saw none knew there was no sympathy no redemption no redress take comfort mother it is over now it is over and not fruitlessly i tried to keep the word of his patience he kept me in the days of my anguish i was afraid with terror i was troubled through great tribulation he brought me through to a salvation revealed in this last time my fear had torment he has cast it out he has given me in its stead perfect love but caroline thus she invoked her daughter after a pause mother i charge you when you next look on your father's monument to respect the name chiseled there to you he did only good on you he conferred his whole treasure of beauties nor added to them one dark defect all you derive from him is excellent you owe him gratitude leave between him and me the settlement of our mutual account meddle not god is the arbiter this world's laws never came near us never they were powerless as a rotten bulrush to protect me impotent as idiot babblings to restrain him as you said it is all over now the grave lies between us there he sleeps in that church to his dust i say this night what i have never said before james slumber peacefully see your terrible debt is cancelled look i wipe out the long black account with my own hand james your child atones this living likeness of you this thing with your perfect features this one good gift you gave me has nestled affectionately to my heart and tenderly called me mother husband rest forgiven dearest mother that is right can papa's spirit hear us is he comforted to know that we still love him i said nothing of love i spoke of forgiveness mind the truth child i said nothing of love on the threshold of eternity should he be there to see me enter will i maintain that oh mother you must have suffered oh child the human heart can suffer it can hold more tears than the ocean holds waters we never know how deep how wide it is till misery begins to unbind her clouds and fill it with rushing blackness mother forget forget she said with the strangest spectre of a laugh the north pole will rush to the south and the headlands of europe be locked into the bays of australia ere i forget hush mother rest be at peace and the child lulled the parent as the parent had erst lulled the child at last mrs Pryor wept she then grew calmer she resumed those tender cares agitation had for a moment suspended replacing her daughter on the couch she smoothed the pillow and spread the sheet the soft hair whose locks were loosened she rearranged 
the damp brow she refreshed with a cool fragrant essence mamma let them bring a candle that i may see you and tell my uncle to come into this room by and by i want to hear him say that i am your daughter and mamma take your supper here don't leave me for one minute to-night oh caroline it is well you are gentle you will say to me go and i shall go come and i shall come do this and i shall do it you inherit a certain manner as well as certain features it will always be mamma prefacing a mandate softly spoken though from you thank god well she added under her breath he spoke softly too once like a flute breathing tenderness and then when the world was not by to listen discords that split the nerves and curdled the blood sounds to inspire insanity it seems so natural mamma to ask you for this and that i shall want nobody but you to be near me or to do anything for me but do not let me be troublesome check me if i encroach you must not depend on me to check you you must keep guard over yourself i have little moral courage the want of it is my bane it is that which has made me an unnatural parent which has kept me apart from my child during the ten years which have elapsed since my husband's death left me at liberty to claim her it was that which first unnerved my arms and permitted the infant i might have retained a while longer to be snatched prematurely from their embrace how mamma i let you go as a babe because you were pretty and i feared your loveliness deeming it the stamp of perversity they sent me your portrait taken at eight years old that portrait confirmed my fears had it shown me a sunburnt little rustic a heavy blunt featured commonplace child i should have hastened to claim you but there under the silver paper i saw blooming the delicacy of an aristocratic flower little lady was written on every trait i had too recently crawled from under the yoke of the fine gentleman escaped galled crushed paralyzed dying to dare to encounter his still finer and most fairy-like representative my sweet little lady overwhelmed me with dismay her air of native elegance froze my very marrow in my experience i had not met with truth modesty good principle as the concomitants of beauty a form so straight and fine i argued must conceal a mind warped and cruel i had little faith in the power of education to rectify such a mind or rather i entirely misdoubted my own ability to influence it caroline i dared not undertake to rear you i resolved to leave you in your uncle's hands matthewson hellstone i knew if an austere was an upright man he and all the world thought hardly of me for my strange unmotherly resolve and i deserved to be misjudged mamma why did you call yourself mrs pryor it was a name in my mother's family i adopted it that i might live unmolested my married name recalled too vividly my married life i could not bear it besides threats were uttered of forcing me to return to bondage it could not be rather a beer for a bed the grave for a home my new name sheltered me i resumed under its screen my old occupation of teaching at first it scarcely procured me the means of sustaining life but how savoury was hunger when i fasted at peace how safe seemed the darkness and chill of an unkindled hearth when no lurid reflection from terror crimsoned its desolation how serene was solitude when i feared not the eruption of violence and vice but mamma you have been in this neighbourhood before how did it happen that when you reappeared here with miss gildar you were not recognised i only paid a short visit as a bride twenty years ago and then i was very different to what i am now slender almost as slender as my daughter is at this day my complexion my very features are changed my hair my style of dress everything is altered 
you cannot fancy me a slim young person attired in scanty drapery of white muslin with bare arms bracelets and necklace of beads the hair disposed in round grecian curls above my forehead you must indeed have been different mamma i heard the front door open if it is my uncle coming in just ask him to step upstairs and let me hear his assurance that i am truly awake and collected and not dreaming or delirious the rector of his own accord was mounting the stairs and mrs cryer summoned him to his niece's apartment she is not worse i hope he inquired hastily i think her better she is disposed to converse she seems stronger good said he brushing quickly into the room ha carrie how do did you drink my cup of tea i made it for you just as i like it myself i drank it every drop uncle it did me good it has made me quite alive i have a wish for company so i begged mrs cryer to call you in the respected ecclesiastic looked pleased and yet embarrassed he was willing enough to bestow his company on his sick niece for ten minutes since it was her whim to wish it but what means to employ for her entertainment he knew not he hemmed he fidgeted you will be up in a trice he observed by way of saying something the little weakness will soon pass off and then you must drink port wine a pipe if you can and eat game and oysters i'll get them for you if they are to be had anywhere bless me we'll make you as strong as samson before we're done with you who is that lady uncle standing beside you at the bed foot good god he ejaculated she's not wandering is she ma'am mrs pryor smiled i am wandering in a pleasant world said caroline in a soft happy voice and i want you to tell me whether it is real or visionary what lady is that give her a name uncle we must have dr ryle again ma'am or better still mcturk he's less of a humbug thomas must saddle the pony and go for him no i don't want a doctor mamma shall be my only physician now do you understand uncle mr hellstone pushed up his spectacles from his nose to his forehead handled his snuff-box and administered to himself a portion of the contents thus fortified he answered briefly i see daylight you've told her then ma'am and is it true demanded caroline rising on her pillow is she really my mother you won't cry or make any scene or turn hysterical if i answer yes cry i'd cry if you said no it would be terrible to be disappointed now but give her a name how do you call her i call this stout lady in a quaint black dress who looks young enough to wear much smarter raiment if she would i call her agnes hellstone she married my brother james and is his widow and my mother what a little sceptic it is look at her small face mrs pryor scarcely larger than the palm of my hand alive with acuteness and eagerness to caroline she had the trouble of bringing you into the world at any rate mind you show your duty to her very by quickly getting well and repairing the waste of these cheeks heigh ho she used to be plump what she has done with it all i can't for the life of me divine if wishing to get well will help me i shall not be long sick this morning i had no reason and no strength to wish it fanny here tapped at the door and said that supper was ready uncle if you please you may send me a little bit of supper anything you like from your own plate that is wiser than going into hysterics is it not it is spoken like a sage carrie see if i don't cater for you judiciously when women are sensible and above all intelligible i can get on with them it is only the vague superfine sensations and extremely wire-drawn notions that put me about let a woman ask me to give her an edible or a wearable be the same a rock's egg or the breastplate of aaron a share of st john's locusts and honey or a leathern girdle about his loins i can at least understand the demand but when they pine for they know not what sympathy sentiment some of these indefinite abstractions i can't do it 
i don't know it i haven't got it madam except my arm mrs pryor signified that she should stay with her daughter that evening hellstone accordingly left them together he soon returned bringing a plate in his own consecrated hand this is chicken he said but we'll have partridge to-morrow lift her up and put a shawl over her on my word i understand nursing now here's the very same little silver fork you used when you first came to the rectory that strikes me as being what you may call a happy thought a delicate attention take it carry and munch away cleverly caroline did her best her uncle frowned to see that her powers were so limited he prophesied however great things for the future and as she praised the morsel he had brought and smiled gratefully in his face he stooped over her pillow kissed her and said with a broken rugged accent good night bairnie god bless thee caroline enjoyed such peaceful rest that night circled by her mother's arms and pillowed on her breast that she forgot to wish for any other stay and though more than one feverish dream came to her in slumber yet when she awoke up panting so happy and contented a feeling returned with returning consciousness that her agitation was soothed almost as soon as felt as to the mother she spent the night like jacob at peniel till break of day she wrestled with god in earnest prayer End of section 24